You are listening to the following Sunday School lesson through the Newfound Faith website. Visit our site for more lessons like this one and for sermons and Bible studies as well. I also ask that you become a follower to the site by signing up with your email address under the subscribe tab. Don't miss a sermon, Sunday School lesson, Bible study, or any announcements. Subscribe today. You can follow along with the commentary of this lesson at newfoundfaith.org. There, you will be able to dive even deeper into this lesson with more details and see all of the scripture references. This week's Sunday School lesson, lesson number 11 in the spring quarter, Ambassadors for Christ. This week's lesson is being taught from the 5th chapter of 2 Corinthians, starting at the 11th verse and going through the 21st verse. Be sure you take a moment to read today's passage of scripture before continuing to listen to this lesson. Pause the audio now. Unpause the audio once you have finished reading. lesson this week is going to pick up right where we left off at from our lesson last week where we took a look at our heavenly dwelling we took a look at uh, the premise of the new covenant which was the lesson prior to last week's lesson and we know that the new covenant the premise of the new covenant is eternal life and so we took a look at our heavenly dwelling within that lesson last week we began to talk about God's judgment and you will recall that though the scripture uh, did not speak of it, we spoke of the great white throne judgment, uh, which is discussed elsewhere in scripture. Um, and we also uh, discussed what was in the passage of scripture for last week's lesson, the judgment seat of Christ. Again, uh, Paul, he quoted from uh, the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, where in the book of Isaiah, it is said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And something that uh, we as genuine believers know that that's not a judgment that is solely meant for those who are wicked. This judgment, uh, it includes all people, uh, those who are wicked and those who are righteous. Everyone will have to give account of themselves to the Lord. The only difference, but again, between the, the righteous and the unrighteous is that the righteous has a mediator in Jesus Christ who will stand with them, who has already suffered the Lord's wrath on their or our behalf so we're going to pick up right where we left off at here in our sunday school lesson this week as paul begins to speak of us uh, the genuine believer as ambassadors we are representatives and you've heard me speak about this subject uh, quite a bit okay if you followed me over the years in this ministry uh, you know that i speak about uh, the behavior of the believer i speak about also our role uh, in the world as believers. We are stewards. We are representatives. We are ambassadors of the Lord. And we have been commissioned. We have been tasked uh, by Jesus Christ to go out and share the good news, the gospel, uh, teaching all nations and the things that Jesus taught us to, to live by, that we are to live uh, in a Christ-like manner. We baptize all nations of people in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. 
And I don't know if you recall this from a sermon that I preached. Uh, I think this is either my Palm Sunday sermon or my Resurrection Sunday sermon, uh, where I said I believe that baptism uh, is not just the water baptism that we think of, but uh, we as genuine believers, we should be baptizing hearts in the good news, sound doctrine, that is the gospel. Okay. All right. So we'll see Paul speaking on that here in our lesson this week as uh, we open up here to the 11th verse with the 11th verse saying, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciousness. Okay. So first off the we, I do want to point out that we hear that, that Paul is speaking of there. Uh, I believe that he's specifically talking about himself and Timothy. We have to remember that uh, he and Timothy uh, were the ones that were essentially writing this letter to the Corinthians. But, you know, they we, we could also say at the same time, the we here is inclusive. It is inclusive to all those who genuinely believe in the Lord. So. Uh, the we can include you and me. Uh, we are, again, supposed to be ambassadors. Uh, and we are, we should not, and you, again, heard me say this uh, in recent weeks. As genuine believers, we should not be dictators of the word. That is not our role. You know, a lot of believers get into the habit of, of thinking them, of themselves uh, as judge, jury, and executioner of the word of God. And what I mean by that, when I say that, is that uh, there are some who believe that they can determine who gets into heaven and who does not get into heaven. That's not our role. We are not the judge, jury, and executioner. What we should be are encouragers. The believer should be one who's encouraging others to repent, to turn to the Lord, uh, believers should be the ones who are encouraging, persuading others to lift themselves back up from from their wicked ways and to turn to the one who can place them on solid ground, which, again, is Jesus Christ. That is our role uh, that we should play in society, in the world today. We aren't supposed to condemn anyone, but uh, sadly, there are many who call themselves believers who go about Instead of encouraging, they tear down. Instead of persuading, they dictate. They, uh, If someone chooses not to believe, which again is their choice, uh, we, we begin to condemn. And though someone may turn from God today, that does not mean that they will turn uh, from God tomorrow. So again, it's very important to me that uh, we as believers be encouragers and persuaders of the word. The reason why this is important to me is because we as believers, we should not be pushing anyone away from the Lord. We should be encouraging them to go to God, meaning instead of pushing people away from God, we should be telling them to go to God, pulling them uh, into the Lord. That That is the role that uh, we should play. Now, what's interesting here is the reasoning why Paul speaks of why we should persuade others. And the reason why Paul says that we should persuade others is because we know the terror of the Lord. Okay, so now what does that mean? What does it mean that we know the terror of the Lord? Well, 
are you a God, God fearing believer? I would hope that you answer yes to that question. We, we understand as his children, those who genuinely believe in him, we understand the Lord's power. We understand his authority. We, we understand his sovereignty in that the Lord is the creator. He is the ruler over all things. If there's anyone who is the judge, jury and executioner, it is him. It is the Lord. And again, we know that he is the judge, jury and executioner. And we know that one day he will be the judge, jury and executioner of all who have walked, all who have grace uh, this earth. Again, every knee is what we are told. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Uh, in the sermon that I preached from the book of Ezekiel, uh, we saw where the Lord said it himself. All souls are his. OK, so we understand that the righteous will inherit the eternal kingdom. We will go before the judgment seat of Christ, as we saw in our Sunday school lesson last week, and we will receive a reward. OK, we will receive several rewards, I believe. Uh, we'll receive the crown of life. We're going to receive peace. We're going to receive happiness. We're going to receive joy for all of eternity. All right. So so we understand that for the righteous, the unrighteous, those who are wicked, they will go before the great white throne and their reward will be an eternal punishment as they will be cast away from the Lord's presence for all of eternity, not for some of eternity, but for all of eternity. And what this means is that there will be eternal suffering uh, because God will not be there to alleviate any sorrows or any pains. It's not going to be there to comfort uh, one who is going through hell. Right. So there will be eternal suffering. And something we understand, OK, is that case. OK, we can recall the parable of the rich man who after he passed, he went to Hades and he cried out for uh, to Abraham for the beggar to dip his finger into some, into some water to cool his tongue. And Abraham spoke to him, said, nope, not possible. You know, hey, you didn't do uh, good for him while you were living. Why can you why should you expect uh, for for him to do good to you now? Uh, the 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 rich man, he desired. Uh, to get word back to those who were his loved ones, telling them not to come this way. And again, it's not possible. So again, we know of the suffering that will be eternal. And because we know this, we know, again, know the terror of the Lord, right? Uh, God carried, carried his wrath out on his only begotten son so that uh, we can be atoned for our sins. Okay. So again, we know the terror of the Lord and and because we know the terror of the Lord, we don't want anybody to go through that kind of suffering. We don't want anybody to face God's wrath. So because we don't want anyone to face that suffering, uh, the terror of the Lord, his wrath, we persuade men. And that's what we see Paul say there uh, in that 11th verse. He again said, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Okay, and again, the we there could be just him and Timothy, because, again, they were writing to the Corinthians. But at the same time, that we there can be us as well, all who joined them. Okay, in uh, ministering that good news to turn away from sin, 
so that you don't suffer the Lord's wrath so that you can join him uh, in eternity, having peace, having happiness and having that eternal joy. All right. Our lesson continues on there with the 12th verse saying, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Again, something that I speak about quite a bit is that uh, sadly we live in a world where not too many people are concerned about their heart. When I say their heart there, in, in this case, I'm not talking about the one that physically beats. I'm talking about the thing that makes us go. And the thing that makes all of us go is our spirit. There are many people who are concerned more about their outward appearance rather than uh, their inner man. OK, and again, and I, I'll say this uh, frankly here, th there's nothing wrong with being concerned about your outward appearance. Paul isn't saying that, you know, it is good for us to take care of ourselves physically. OK, and I need to get back into it. I need to get back to the exercising like I once did. So it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with with taking care of yourself physically. But what is wrong is when we don't take care of ourselves spiritually. You often hear me when I pray. I pray for our health physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. So it is good for us to be concerned about our health physically, mentally and emotionally. But it is not good for us to ignore our health spiritually. It is not good for us to ignore our spirit. And sadly, uh, that's what happens quite a bit. Paul again said there, uh, we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, to teach others, train others, uh, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance, who only care about their outward appearance, who only care about their outer person and not in heart. You know, you should be again concerned about what's going on with your spirit because what goes on in your spirit, who you are as a person is determined by your soul and the Lord. Again, when we speak about his judgment, he's not going to judge you by your outward appearance. You know, someone in the world may judge you as a 10 according to your outward appearance, but God isn't going to judge you because of your outward appearance. God is not concerned about the outer man. He's not concerned about uh, what you look like. He's concerned about who you are on the inside. And that's why we should care about who we are uh, in our inner man. The 13th verse goes on to say there, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. OK, some again may think that you're foolish. Some may think that you're crazy for going out teaching the gospel and let them think that. And, and as I said weeks ago and years ago, I much rather appear to be the fool for the Lord. OK, uh, than a fool of myself, ignoring the Lord. I much rather be a fool for God because I, I want to uh, enter into his heavenly kingdom. I want that eternal happiness, that eternal peace, that eternal joy. I want, uh, that, that is what I want. Right. And I certainly hope that you would want the same thing yourself. The 14th verse, we will see it goes on to say there for the love of Christ compels us 
because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. We'll go ahead and take that 15th verse as well, since that sentence uh, did not end there. We'll see that the 15th verse goes on to say, and he died for all. He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So Paul is giving us reasons here as to why we minister or should minister of uh, the gospel, the good news. Okay. The first reason that we saw him give there is because we know the terror of the Lord. So because we know what awaits those who are, are wicked, we go out into the world and uh, we again baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we do that again with water, but we should do that also verbally uh, with sound doctrine. OK, uh, the thing that compels us to do this, OK, is, yes, certainly heaven. You know, we want to be there. But what also compels us to do that is the love of Christ. OK, because we love the Lord, because we know that God has been good to us. We want we want others to understand uh, that God can be good to them as well. Not only does the love of Christ compels us, but we should understand that this love, it dwells in us. As we have spoken of uh, in recent weeks, the Holy Spirit dwells in all of us who genuinely believe because we have believed in the only begotten son of Christ. Genuinely, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us and we are in fellowship with the Lord. So God's love it is in us. Now, you see, the thing about God's love is that God's love does not sit still. God's love is always on the go. God's love is always on the move. And because that is in us, we are always desiring to move and to desiring to move on his behalf, to to do what he has called for us to do. And that, again, is to go out ministering the good news with all of those who are around us. OK, so, again, he says there in the 13th verse for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God or it or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of God, the love of God compels us because we judge us that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for all or him who died for them and rose again. Let us remember again what, what the third chapter of John's gospel in the 16th verse says there summing up the gospel whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life we know the purpose of christ being manifested into our world is for all people that was god's love on display to the world the giving of his only begotten son and the best thing that you and i can do with love god's love is not hold it to ourselves you see, God's love, it is not selfish. God's love doesn't simply look inward. God loves, it extends outward. It is caring for all people. And again, because God's love dwells in us, then we, the believer, should we only look inward? No, absolutely not. We should not only look inward. Our love, it should focus outwardly. OK, 
meaning that we should be concerned for everyone who is around us. And when I say everyone who is around us, I'm not just talking about your family and I'm not just talking about your friends. I'm talking about the stranger as well. Okay. Uh, we should be ministering the gospel to all people. And as I have said before, uh, you don't only minister, minister the gospel uh, verbally. You minister the gospel in how you carry yourself in your walk of life. You minister the gospel through your actions. Okay, so we again, we have to, as believers, again, speaking about our behavior as genuine believers, as a child of God, we have to watch how we carry ourselves as a child of God. Okay. All right. You you are always being watched. Someone is always watching you, watching your very moves, watching your very actions. And again, the child of God, we should be living in a, a Christ like manner. And when someone sees us living that way, they may not all, but, you know, some will desire uh, to be just like you. They will see that you are blessed. They will recognize that there's something different about you. They will see uh, the happiness that pours out from your spirit, from your soul. And they will want that. OK, and they'll strive to to do whatever it is that you are doing. OK, and they may even begin to come up and, and, and speak to you instead of just just watching you quietly watching you. Uh, and it is in those moments where we can then uh, give them an encouraging word. OK, persuade them uh, to get their life right, to turn uh, to Christ. Right. OK, we'll see that our lesson and continue on there to the 16th verse and therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh here we go now and we're starting to get into it it says we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no longer so again you've heard me speak about this before we have to get past uh, the outward appearance we live in a world, we live in a society that is so focused on the outward. You know, we, we judge people uh, by the outward appearance and we do it all the time. But the child of God, we can't judge in that manner. Judging in that manner is a manner of judgment of the world. That is how the world judge. And as you have heard me say recently, uh, is that we aren't because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We we should not discern who someone is uh, in a worldly manner. OK, we 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 need to discern what's going on on the inside. And we have the capability of doing that again uh, in his first epistle. John said to do that very thing, you know, test the spirits by the spirit that that dwells in you. That is how you will be able to discern uh, who someone truly is. OK, the spirit that is in you again is the Holy Spirit. OK. And, and, and if they're what is going on in them, OK, if it doesn't mesh with you. All right. Then, you know who they are. You know what they are. All right. We again, we should regard nobody according to the flesh, but who they are on the inside. And again, with the love of God dwelling in us. OK. Remember, God gave everybody a chance. Sinner or not. He gave everybody a chance when he gave the world his only begotten son. So what do you suppose that means for one who is a child of God and one who has his Holy Spirit dwelling in them? 
we should be giving everybody a chance. All right. As, as Paul said again, and he said this to the Romans, said that we should not be a stumbling block to anyone. Okay. And again, that we there is all of us who genuinely believe we should uh, be giving everybody a chance. And that's essentially what Paul is, is saying here. Because again, we are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. And so he says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. There was one point in time again where the apostles, and I'm not including Paul in this, uh, the apostles, they followed Jesus. They followed him. They seen him in the flesh, right? And so there was a point in time where not only the apostles, but uh, those who followed Jesus, the disciples, all of them, uh, where they saw Jesus in the flesh. And so, uh, yes, there was a point in time where they knew Christ uh, in the flesh. And, and some, uh, they only saw Jesus as a man, just another man. But through the Holy Spirit, they, including the apostles here, began to realize uh, that Jesus was more than a man. You can recall that uh, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men, who do they say I am? You know, they, they went around in the circle uh, where some said, hey, some say you are Elijah. But Peter, he gave an answer where, I, you know, I, you are the, the son of God. OK. And, and Jesus told him in that moment that that answer didn't come just from 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 your heart, from from your own wisdom and your own knowledge. The Lord led him to that answer. OK. And so, again, uh, we'll see Paul say there. Yes, we knew Christ uh, according to the flesh at one point in time. Yet now we don't know him no longer as that. We know that he was more than that. We know uh, that he was God. OK, so what Paul is saying there is that they had to look beyond the flesh. They had to grow in in their wisdom, their understanding. And you as a child of God, you must do the same thing. We have to break away from uh, worldly logic worldly doctrine okay we, we have to break away from that as a child of god we are more than that worldly doctrine the reason why we are more than that worldly doctrine is because we have been filled with the doctrine of the lord okay and so we should break away from that worldly doctrine and keep to uh that which is of the lord instead of judging someone uh in a worldly manner okay we got ourselves we are led by the Holy Spirit that will discern who somebody that will look at someone quite differently. Okay. 17 verse, it goes on to say there, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay. You've heard me say that a lot in the past couple of weeks. Old things, the the scripture there uh, goes on to say, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How did these things, how did this happen? Again, we know that this happened through Jesus Christ. Okay, through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension, we received what? We received the Holy Spirit. And we know that the, the work of the Holy Spirit, as we have seen in recent weeks, it is a transformative work. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. It is always working on us in our soul changing us, turning us away from who we used to be. Okay. That old person, that old man, as we know commonly and have heard commonly and transforming us into this new creation, this new creation that is led by the Holy spirit, not by 
worldly doctrine. The 18th verse goes on to say there, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We'll take that 19th verse as well, since that uh, sentence did not end. It says there in the 19th verse, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Uh, reconciling, reconciliation means restoration or uh, restoring. All right. And as I preached uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we know again that the work of reconciliation through Jesus Christ was to there's a wall that the Lord raised up. OK, that that blocked mankind off from uh, having being in fellowship with the Lord. That wall was raised up because of our sins. The Lord does not dwell with sin. He will not be in fellowship. He will not be in a relationship with sin. But through the work of reconciliation, through the work of Jesus Christ, God breaks down that barrier and he gives man an opportunity to wash themselves of their sins. And the way that we do this again is through our faith in the only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Through our faith in him, Jesus again became our propitiation. He became our atonement offering. And so we are atoned of our sins through the only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And because we are atoned for our sins, we can now uh, enter into fellowship with the Lord. Okay, We can be in fellowship with him. And this, again, is the work of reconciliation. God has reconciled himself to us. It is important for us to reconcile ourselves to him. And the way in which we do that, okay, we, we, we don't have to go out and, and perform any kind of rituals or anything like that. We have to remember that Jesus has already given himself for us. The only thing that you and I have to do is repent. We have to turn away from going in our own way. We have to turn away from our wickedness and we have to turn to the Lord. That is what we should do. God has reconciled himself to us. He's essentially offered out that olive branch. And what we have to do is accept. We have to take that olive branch. We have to take that branch. Again, that branch is Jesus Christ. Okay, that is what we have to do. That is the the work of reconciliation. All right. And so, again, we'll see there uh, as we continue on here. We're down to the last two verses already of our Sunday school lesson uh, for this week. Uh, the 20th verse, it says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. And I, I literally just, I just uh, did that because again, God loved us and we now love him. We are compelled in our soul, thanks to the Holy spirit to go out and let the world know that God loves them, that he has reconciled himself to them. There are so many people I have found uh, in my decade of ministering uh, the gospel, preaching it. There are so many that want to turn to the Lord, but they 
for whatever reason, believe that the Lord does not love them. And, and, and that could be no, that can't be any further from the truth. It is so far from the truth. Because again, we know that God loves all people. We know that God loves all people because he gave the world his only begotten son. I mean, who, who offers to someone their son to sacrifice uh, himself for them? Okay, uh, they, they're, there's, you know, that's a different kind of love. You know, we'll, we'll point to the military and we'll speak about uh, you know, someone giving up their son and this, it's not necessarily the same thing because essentially uh, that's a person's choice and I'm not speaking down on the military there or the military families there. Uh, that is a, a wonderful sacrifice. And I believe that that is the closest thing uh, that we get to when with, with somebody giving up a loved one or a family member, not holding them back from, from serving. I feel like that is the closest thing uh, that we have to uh, Jesus Christ, the only begotten son. God did not have to give the world his only begotten son. Because, again, as we know, the world is a sinful place. The world is a wicked place. Yet uh, God loved man, loved mankind in our sins. While we were yet sinners, as scripture said, he gave his son for us. So, again, that we can have that opportunity at everlasting life in his heavenly kingdom. Again, because God did this, we again should be compelled to be an ambassador of his. It is something wrong with a believer who has been given this opportunity, but won't share this opportunity with someone else. That's, in my opinion, quite strange. We cannot and should not be that way uh, as a believer. Because God has given us a chance, we should certainly give others a chance. And sadly, again, I tell you today, there are many who claim to be a child of God who would dictate to others uh, and then condemn others that they can have no part of heaven. When God has already said, yes, they can have a part of heaven if they turn to me. So, again, we should not be condemning anyone. Uh, we should not be dictating to anyone. We should simply be ambassadors of the Lord. And an, ambas and an ambassador of the Lord should carry him or herself in a Christ-like manner. Jesus, he carried himself lowly. He was meek. He was humble. Okay? Again, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world, as we have heard said before. Jesus was meek, he was low, he was humble. And when he preached, when he taught, he did it out of love. Now, someone would say, hey, well, Jesus, he went through and he turned over the tables in the temple. And I'll point out what well, Jesus was angry when he was doing that. When, when, when I say that we should do things out of love, and when I say that uh, we should be meek and lowly and humble, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that you can't be upset. Out of love, Jesus turned those tables over because they were the people were in the temple uh, doing all sorts of wicked things, selling in the temple. They, they weren't supposed to be doing that. Jesus said that they had made God's house a, thief, a, a den of thieves. They weren't supposed to be doing that. And so, yes, he was fiery. 
He was angry. He was upset at that. He wanted them to stop doing that. He wanted them to stop being wicked. No, that is his passion. And again, we should have that same passion for our loved ones and even for the stranger. You know, it, it hurts me uh, when I when I see things about I was reading a story uh, just last week about a, a young cheerleader from Southern University who had killed herself because uh, things weren't going her way in her life. And she even mentioned uh, in her last and final message on Instagram how she lost connection with the Lord. And, and I was upset uh, with that because. Again, I, I believe that uh, we as the a child of God, we should be doing our very best uh, in saving souls. We have the we have the ability uh, to save souls and, and we have this ability again through simply uh, sharing a message through simply showing others the way through our actions. And I believe that we can do this. I believe that we can be better at doing this than what we are. Uh, I found today that there are many who profess to be a believer in the Lord who are more selfish than the wicked man. And, and again, there's something that is not right about that. So we have to do better. OK, we have to do better uh, as a child of God. We have to do better as a church. I, I preached a sermon a couple of Sundays ago where I was talking about uh, God's judgment and uh, it didn't get many views. Uh, we, we as a church, we have gotten away from from preaching and, and teaching about the Lord's judgment. And that's something that we should not be doing. Uh, we, we, we've gotten to the point as a church and as believers where uh, we speak the words that, that people want to hear. And, and I can't figure out why we want to do that outside of, you know, wanting to put uh, a little something into our pockets, wanting to, to put a, a body in 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 the church in the pew and again you know there's nothing wrong with with you know drawing people into the pews but the message that we share is the message that we are sharing something that is going to save their soul or is it or is it something that is just going to help them in the world and, and too often uh, it seems nowadays that we are sharing a message that will simply help them in the world rather than a message that will help them uh in get to eternity and again, as an ambassador of the Lord, we are tasked to baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, and again, I don't think that that's just meant for water baptism. I think that also includes sound doctrine. We should be baptizing people in sound doctrine, letting them know that, hey, you are a sinner and, you know, you don't have to die a sinner. You can be forgiven of your sins. The Lord wants to forgive you of your sins. Turn, repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn to the Lord who will love you, who still loves you today and is looking for you to come into his eternal kingdom. That is what we should be truly preaching uh, and ministering in our world. I certainly understand preaching and ministering other things. And, uh, you know, there are there's a time and a place for that. But our primary focus as a church should be one's soul and not what's going on with the outward appearance not necessarily concerned about the world. The world is always going to uh, be the world. It's always going to do its thing. Uh, but we as a people, uh, we don't have to be of the world. OK, does that make sense? We, we don't have to we don't have to be of the world. We can uh, be of heaven again, as Paul, we saw him say uh, in our Sunday school lesson last week. 
He said that uh, in the second verse, in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. We don't want people to be found naked. Okay. Naked in their wickedness. We want them to be clothed in, in the heavenly garments. You see, if you're clothed in the heavenly garments, then you will be able to take part in, in the heavenly kingdom. This again is shown to us uh, at the, the, the wedding feast at the great banquet. You know, if you, if you aren't dressed properly, if you, if you aren't dressed in the proper attire, all right, you're, you're going to not, you're not going to be allowed into that great feast. Okay. God is going to cast you away for all eternity. So we, we want to be clothed ourselves in the proper garment, but we want, we should want, we should desire for others to be clothed in that proper garment as well. And so what we should be doing as ambassadors is saying, Hey, uh, be sure that you're wearing the proper garments for the Lord. Be sure that you are dressed appropriately uh, for the Lord. And I want you to understand when I say dressed appropriately for the Lord, again, I'm not talking about worldly clothing there. I'm talking spiritual. Okay. All right. So again, Paul said there in the 20th verse, that 20th verse, it got real deep there, didn't it? it says there, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. God certainly does plead through us uh, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Again, uh, when we go out and we minister, we should not be ministering on our behalf. Nope, we should be ministering on Christ's behalf. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, God has reconciled himself to you. Will you take that olive branch? Will you take it? Will you grab hold on to it and be reconciled and reconciled to him? So will you repent? Will you take his olive branch is essentially what is being said there. The 20th verse, the last verse of our lesson today, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay, and that again uh, speaks to what we've been speaking about the whole time with the work of reconciliation, with the work of Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, he made him who knew no sin, that is Jesus, uh, to be sin for us. Jesus became our atonement offering, or as you hear me often say, our propitiation, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, the him there being Jesus Christ. Again, the Holy Spirit's work in us is a transformative work uh, to transform us into the Lord's image. And again, if we are truly transformed into the Lord's image, God, he moves on. He moves on the behalf of all people, sinner or not. We, as an ambassador of his, we should do the same. We should move on the behalf of all people. OK. All right. So that is our lesson this week. I certainly hope that you enjoyed this lesson and I hope that you will share this lesson with someone somewhere. And I hope that you'll come back, that you'll return for our Sunday school lesson next week as we begin to draw to an end of our uh, Sunday school lessons for the spring quarter. We have two more lessons after this one, two more lessons uh, left to go after this one. So again, I certainly hope that you'll come back and again, share this message with someone somewhere. Until that time, let us again continue to keep well enough to lift it up in prayer. You never know what anyone is going through. So let us continue to pray diligently for all people who are around us, whether we know them or not. You never know what anyone is going through. Again, let us continue about in grace and in love. That is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So 
until next time, I will continue to pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.